Thank you for joining me in my hen house. Nicole's Hen House is an audio space dedicated to the stories of women in the roles of business, healthcare, entertainment, and politics. Dr. Molly Tipton is today's guest. Today we'll learn all about the unexpected benefits of an optometrist. I met Molly when I was in third grade because she was my little sister's best friend, and it is really cool to see Molly go from my sister's best friend to MD. A little bit about Molly. Molly attended Auburn University, where she earned her bachelor's degree in biomedical sciences in 2013. She graduated with her Doctor of Optometry degree from the University of Alabama at Birmingham with honors in May of 2018. While at UAB, she completed an externship at the Birmingham VA Medical Center and was involved in conducting a pilot research study in the Vision Science Department. You guys, I hope you enjoy this episode, and it's great to hear from Dr. Molly. So thankful that you said that. So your influence was your mom's doctor and you just had this innate knowing that you were going to do it. And so you went through school. Um, what do you, where do you see women having the biggest influence in this field? You said where do women mm-hmm. uh, have the biggest influence? Mm-hmm. Actually, optometry has a large amount of women. I'm in the field. Okay. At one point at UAB, the class size was, I think it was our class actually, it was more females than men. Um, and that's something that shifted over the past few years. But women are excellent healthcare providers because we have a natural, kind of instinctive nurturing quality. Mm-hmm. And because we are able to multitask, I think too, you know, men are great too. And both attributes work differently. But, you know, women, we can think about multiple things at once kind of problem solve and also keep up a good conversation with the patient and you know generally yes. <laughs> kind of call more caring um so women have a a good opportunity to just you know be good healthcare providers especially in optometry but but really any other healthcare field too uh I've, I've seen good healthcare providers and women but most of the was your mom's doctor a man or a woman? He was a man, and he's, okay. he's fantastic. He's probably the best, one of the best I've ever known. So there is, you know, gender, while a lot of times there are um, some natural, instinctive things that can help you out, at the same time it shouldn't be the deciding factor on um, on your doctor choice or necessarily make you better than the other. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a good side note. Um, so when you pursued this field, what was the biggest obstacle that you had to overcome to get to the finish line of getting all your licenses on boards and certifications? Was there one part of this that was more challenging than the other? Uh, definitely national board exams. They're, they're pretty rigorous. Um, clinical training is pretty hard, too. Um, the undergraduate training, you know, it, it's tough, but it's not awful. And then when you get to professional school, I mean, you're in school, you know, almost every day of the week for a large part of the time. You know, there's no weekends. You know, you're there late at night and early in the morning. Um, but the national board exams were pretty tough for me, um, just from mostly from anxiety. The, the written ones, uh, one of them was eight hours long. So it's just mostly trying not to get tired and burn out. Um, 
And then one of them's four hours long. And then one of them's actually in North Carolina. And that one's a, about a four-hour kind of practical exam, uh, which is pretty nerve-wracking because you're on camera and there's someone in the room with you and there's somebody that's been trained to act like a patient. So those, those things are awfully hard. And then also kind of related your social life, so if you are married or you do have family, trying to balance that mm-hmm. is also important. It's not the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And so even though you're devoting most of your time to it, uh, if you kind of throw off your, your priorities a little bit, right. those things are probably the hardest. Um, so when you went to your, so you did your undergrad at Auburn, and then you went to optometry school at UAB? Yes. Was that your first choice? Yes. And it's the only one in the state. And, uh, I'm, I was married and married and, uh, you know, family is here, farm is here, horses. I wasn't really open to going anywhere. So mm-hmm. I kind of put all my eggs in one basket. Do you feel like, um, do you feel like it was a good fit? Yes. UAB, luckily, is actually really good on the number one school in the nation, and part of it is because not every optometry school is uh, connected to a hospital or a medical school. Some of them are completely separate, and so because that was, uh, is connected, we had a lot of opportunity uh, being around some world-class researchers um, with vision science, so we had the best of the best and the nicest technology and uh, some really good, good instructors. That's incredible. So when you did your clinicals at UAB, is it kind of like the dental clinic um, where you can get low-cost services done? Actually, for some reason, I don't know if it's because of insurance, um, because they regulate so much of what we do. I don't think it was lower-cost services for people. I know okay. if you were a UAB employee, um, you did, or a student, or an athlete, I think, um, you did get some discounts here and there, but mostly it was just full cost. Um, which is kind of crazy, to, to be honest. You are there a little bit longer during the exam. Now, it's worth it if you have a pediatric patient uh, because you're going to get that best pediatric care. Mm-hmm. And it's also worth it if you have, um, you know, eye disease or something going on. But for some reason, I, at the time that I was there, the services weren't good, to be honest. Okay. So in your clinicals, were you able to, um, because UAB is a hospital, um, were y'all able to treat and diagnose hospital patients? Um, we didn't uh, go to the hospital. We did have rotations um, at different places. So while we were in clinic at the actual school at the eye care center, they have several departments, pediatric, disease, contact lens, mm-hmm. um, and then primary eye care, which is just a mix of everything. We actually had rotations at the Callahan Eye Foundation, mm-hmm. um, and there we saw the VA patients, so we saw oh, wow. a lot of disease there of veterans, which was really rewarding. Yeah. Um, and we also would go to nursing homes and see patients there, and uh, as well as the Alabama Institute for the Deaf and Blind. So that was also a really neat opportunity as well. That's incredible. That's so, that's amazing. So you kind of ran the spectrum. Yeah. Oh, um, so... A question that I like to ask is, do you enjoy the work that you do? Like, you worked so hard to become 
an eye doctor, but do you actually like it? Oh, I love it. I mean, I love it. Now, there are things that I don't like about it, and my job now, uh, the place that I work now, is a whole lot better than the one that I worked before, um, mm-hmm. just because of timing and uh, staffing and location. That's been, you know, terrible, but it is great. You know, I wouldn't do anything else, and uh, I look forward to work my space. Like, I don't ever drag on to work. That's amazing. That's amazing. Have you ever felt like, so that, I know you said that your class was evenly split between male and female, but have you ever felt like you were smoking in the boys' room or you felt like you had to prove yourself to your male coworkers? Um, I think there have been instances that I probably overlooked during school where probably male classmates were, uh, mostly just probably peers, um, may have assumed that it was their role to do something or that they should take care of something maybe that was a more difficulty um, because, you know, they're the man. Mm-hmm. But I'm also very unobservant when it comes to stuff like that. And it's just more like thinking back retrospectively on certain situations where I could see that. Yeah. Um, luckily, the state that I'm in, even though it's a little backwards sometimes, when it comes to health care, I have not experienced much with optometry, with men being, um, with feeling, you know, out of place or being intimidated at all. I I do think that, I I know people that have been in situations and I think you have to be careful. And I think there have been patients that have been uncomfortable that I'm female. And usually by the end of the exam, they're fine. But it's when they first see me because they don't know or something. Right. Um, because they didn't see my first name or they're new or they just didn't check. Um, there's a look on their face or sometimes they'll treat me differently. And I, I'm pretty much sure most of the time it's because I'm female. But then once they see that I'm professional and I you know, treat them well, most of them are, are fine afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it's because you're so personable and you are easy to get along with. You know how to hold a good conversation and that is a skill that's lacking with like a good number of people from my generation, but you excel in that. Um, So there isn't a shortage of women in optometry. um, And that I think is really telling of the direction we're going as a, as a society and as a country, like women are stepping up to the plate. And I love that. Um, so what is one accomplishment you are most proud of regarding your work? Like, was there a certain patient that you were able to treat or did you get to discover something really cool in, in, when you were studying? What is your, what accomplishment are you most proud of at this point in your career? It's so hard for me to pinpoint. I mean, my, I guess one of my biggest is I did diagnose a brain tumor in a man. Um, that had not been previously seen, and uh, he went to the neurosurgeon, and he had it removed, and he came back to see me, because I got a monitor some of his side effects, his, uh, his vision impairment from that, but he, he did tell me, you know, thank you for sending me for the MRI, because they don't think they would have found it otherwise. That's so amazing. Yeah, that's probably my biggest patient, but it's, I don't even really feel proud. It almost just stresses me out because part of me is like, what if I didn't send him for the MRI? 
because you you don't ever want to send smoke or text. You know, unless they need it, but mm-hmm. you don't ever want to miss something. Mm-hmm. So part of it, I just feel more of it's a learning experience. But I do think when I was in school, uh, my mom got really sick. I mean, she was so sick, and she had some weird eye stuff. And I said, that doesn't sound right. That sounds like the thing called giant cell arthritis, which can make you go blind, and it can be deadly. Um, it's basically inflammation of the arteries. Mm-hmm. Kind of like an autoimmune issue, but it's really bad. And I remember telling her, you know, you have to get that checked out. So she went, uh, she went somewhere to an eye doctor, and they looked at her and they said that she was having low blood pressure. And then they were going to send her to a neurologist to make sure. But her appointment wasn't for like four months. You to take her every day with them. And uh, I said, that's not right. That's not right. Something's going on. And so she got worse. She got worse. She went to her primary care. They said she had bronchitis, um, which is crazy. I went with her to an emergency room. I said, look, like, this is what I think she has. And I'm still at school at this point. And um, they did the testing. They didn't know what testing to do. I, I told them what blood work should be ordered. And, um, Good for you. They ordered it. And they never got back to us. And she got worse. And so I had to take her to an emergency eye place. And they got it, and they got the blood work back, and they called my mom on it. Like, she would look at night, but I said, stop what you're doing and go take this medicine right now. Um, so she wound up, she did have the problem. Her, her blood work came out astronomically high for what we were looking for. Um, and she was like, probably within minutes to days, you know, there's no telling of, you know, losing sight. She had to have a biopsy on one of her arteries, and then she was on 100 milligrams of steroids for months. She was out of work for months. I mean, it was crazy. Like, there were times in her room she was going to die. And I think part of that, I'm proud, not, not of myself, necessarily for figuring out what it was. I think that was more a God thing, mm-hmm. but of just advocating for those yeah. and almost, like, demanding that they do that. But it just makes me also infuriated that it took so much to, to get heard for someone to hear you. Yeah. Does that help inform how you advocate for your patients? It does. Um, I think that's one of the biggest reasons. Like, if somebody comes to see me, I'm going to address their concerns. Mm-hmm. Like, even if they are, you know, no offense, like, crazy worried about something that's no big deal, you know, I'm going to acknowledge their concerns. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go over with them what's going on. Um, so it definitely does influence that. And I think it was just big circle at 11. You know, I went to optometrist with my mom. That's why I wanted to become an optometrist. And then in school, I was able to help her there. And I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not been in school. So I think it was just definitely, you know, a sign of this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. So if you could give women a piece of advice to follow in your footsteps or pursue a similar career path, what would you tell them or like, what would you tell them? And is there something they could skip or something they should definitely do? Um, you definitely need to figure out what you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. And, and then even if you have to work really hard for it and make sacrifices, that's fine, but it has to be worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're having trouble figuring out what you're supposed to be doing, then you need to look elsewhere and you should probably look up a little bit to God to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess just realize that work is work. Like, while yeah. I enjoy my work, it's work. It's hard work. You know, you're not right. supposed to enjoy every minute of your day. There's a reason it's called work. 
so you should be putting in putting in some tough hours during the week in order to make a living. But you should be doing something that one you're good at, and two that you feel like that's where you should be. Um, so mm-hmm. avoid complacency mm-hmm. unless it's helping you get to a better point. You know, mm-hmm. unless you're doing something in the meantime. Um, I just look at other people, at other experts, and kind of figure out where you want to be. Well, I think it's important that you highlight that, like, even though you still enjoy this, it's still work. Hi, babe chicks. If you are enjoying this content or want more in-depth content, please go visit the website nicoleshenhouse.com. After the show, I would be so appreciative if you left your review on any of the listening platforms. Thanks for listening. Our culture has put such uh, an emphasis on happiness that we've kind of skipped fulfillment. Um, Happiness is temporary, but fulfillment is steadfast. But you're only fulfilled if you put in the work to do it. Are you enjoying the work that you're doing is a better way to say it. And I think, um, I think that's so important. So you're, you, I think you might have touched on this already, but would you say your favorite thing at work is helping diagnose your patients who need additional services? My favorite thing about work um, is just people. Even the grumpy ones. Most of them aren't grumpy at the end, or they're, you know, I thought she learned their grumpiness, but I really enjoy, it sounds so cliche, I'm talking to people and getting to know them and helping them out. Um, and that's one reason I haven't specialized in anything, is because I like little people as in little kids. Mm-hmm. I like people my age, I like teenagers. I like people that are 100, you know, I just mm-hmm. like a good variety, but it's definitely just the people, and even the people within the staff that work in the office, you know, I'm That's I incredible. I not work in a cubicle. Work culture is so important, and it's, it's cool to hear that you're in a place where there's a solid work culture that is, um, that's fulfilling. So what is your least and, favorite thing about your work? And before I answer that, I do need to say eyeballs are also just really cool. Um, are they? I'm kind of still getting back. Eyeballs are cool. I'm kind of an eyeball nerd. So looking at those all day night. Um, <laughs> my least favorite thing is dealing with the paperwork, charting, insurance companies, um, that kind of stuff. Like, I don't want to have anything to do with the billing. <laughs> and so any of that is just my least favorite. That's just part of it. Mm-hmm. Um. So, technology is ever-changing. Um, how will it change the relationship you have with your patients? Or what would you like um, to see it change or improve? There's some good technology for eye diseases. Um, you know, things that patients can monitor, eye pressure at home, different things. But there is some also really bad technology that is it's not bad. It's just bad if it's in the wrong place. So it's like pre-existed in offices, but they're trying to make it where people have access to it too small. So you've seen or heard about maybe some of these kiosks where you get your prescription mm-hmm. um, without going to the doctor. Well, that's a terrible idea. 
So when we check your prescription, um, we also, you know, depending on how high it goes up, how far it goes down, that's an indication of whether you have cataracts, you've got swelling in your macula, your diabetes is flaring up. Um, if you're young and you get the wrong prescription from one of those machines, which is super common um, because eye muscles are they're strong and they do strange things behind those machines, um, it can permanently affect your vision and your the kind of neural hardware that integrates your brain and your eyes. So there's some things like that that are, that are pretty bad as far as technology goes. But on the other hand, there's also some really cool things as far as monitoring um, eye disease. That is incredible. Like I did not realize until talking to you how much you could tell by looking through someone's eyes. So I guess that does make the saying true, like the windows are the eyes to the soul. In your case, like the eyes are the window to the rest of your body. Um, so you've kind of touched on insurance and how it impacts how you, um, does that, so obviously it impacts your patient care, but would it be something that would be easier if there was more self-pay patients or, um, I guess, a yeah, more... self-pay is a dream if people can afford it. Right. So if they're not paying $1,000 a month for medical insurance, you know, that just doesn't pay to our office and they're having to self-pay, that's hard. But if they're, you know, let's say they didn't have insurance, they self-pay, you know, instead of paying for insurance, they're paying us, which is usually better on our end and better on their end. But if they ever had any kind of major issue and needed an MRI, they would need insurance. So... There's a, there's a huge problem that we all are aware of with the, the insurance uh, companies and, and healthcare. Um, and I don't even know where to begin on who needs to fix it and how they're going to do it. But it, it's going to take years and years, and it's going to take a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you've given us so much good information. I'm going to ask you a few more questions if you have time. Um, education takes multiple forms. So which education experience was the most impactful for where you are today? Was there one that stood out more than another? I would just have to say they're so different, but didactically, as far as coursework, just the courses at UAB, almost all of them, I mean, they were so well thought out and well planned and mostly well executed. You know, just learning pharmaceuticals and, and disease, optics, physics, you know, all those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I couldn't do anything I'd do if I didn't know that. And when you're in school, you're like, how am I going to remember this in four or five years? But you don't think about it until it, it comes up, until you have a patient that has that problem, and then you just recall it. Um, but also, the clinical instruction all the shadowing of patients that you see in school mm-hmm. with an instructor or an attending, you know, at the time you're thinking, why are you making me do this? Or, you know, I don't agree with you, which is so egotistical and, you know, pompous that you think that as a student. But but all those experiences, even though they sometimes drive you crazy. <laughs> yeah. Your clinical experience sounds incredible. Like, you guys got to... You had a full range. That's. It. I wish every yeah. program for every field had that much breadth. And that's what. Yeah, it, it's been really 
really good. I still haven't graduated. I'm in the pediatric department. I was just silly, but <laughs> everything was great. That's funny. Were your did you have one case that was more sad or heartbreaking than the other, or one that just really oh, stood yeah. out to you? Um, you mean just in general at school? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lady that uh, was an illegal immigrant. She had come over with uh, somebody. I mean, she didn't just pack up and come over herself. Um, and she had what's called keratoconus, which is a disease on the front of the eye on the cornea, and it can make you go blind. I mean, she couldn't see anything. She couldn't see, like, a foot side of her face. I mean, she could see shadows and daylight, but she had, I think, a two-year-old with her or a one-year-old. She had a, a young baby, probably around one. Um, and, you know, just the fact that she could see him real well. Well, the thing is, is if you have insurance, it's treatable. Mm-hmm. You can go have a corneal transplant and you can see again. If you don't have insurance, unless you have thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, and a you know, social security number and or visa or green card or whatever, you know, um, it's not treatable. So that was just really frustrating. I still think about that. You know, I think I thought about it last week. Wonder mm-hmm. how she's doing. And that was, I don't know, four years ago, five years ago. Oh, wow. Um, what was, was there a patient experience where you were like, no, this is a problem and here's the solution and then it was treated that was like, that really stood out? Um. Other than your mom's. Because <laughs> that's incredible, like, to be able to advocate for her like that. I think probably someone that has some weird eye muscle stuff, you know, their complaint was, we should all be doing to take better care of our eyes? Get an eye exam. You just need to get an eye exam. If you are healthy, you know, we, we, I like to say every year. I mean, you need an eye exam every year. But if you're healthy, by healthy, I mean your blood pressure's under control, you're not diabetic, you actually see a primary cure who's checking those things for you. Um, every other year is, is okay. That's fine. Right. You don't have symptoms of it, and the only way you would have known is if you had a doctor 10 years before. 
Oh, wow. So, just getting your eyes checked. <laughs> and a lot of people think they have to have vision insurance. Um, if you go most places and you say that, you know, I don't have vision insurance, but I'm wanting to check my eye health, then they should do a medical exam that goes to your medical insurance if they take that insurance. Mm-hmm. And then you may have, like, a refraction fee if they check you for glasses. So it should be your medical copay, and then you can decline the refraction, or you can do it, and it's usually, like, a 40-ish dollar charge. So it's not like you should have to take the whole thing out of pocket if you're just checking for eye health. That's so helpful. Thank you. Yeah, I pay out of I pay out of pocket for my eye exams because I've had glasses since first grade. Um, do you have a preference for patients to wear glasses versus contacts? Do you think one is better than the other? Um, the thing is just patient dependent. Okay. Um, if you're wearing contacts correctly, they're just fine unless you have some kind of underlying problem or certain prescription that you need something special. But uh, the biggest thing is people get kind of mad when they have a contact like spitty fee or something so we have to pay for extra mm-hmm. but it's just because even though it's a quick process we're having to make sure that the, the curvatures are right the material's right that you're getting enough oxygen through the lens and that's been uh, that was a lot of months and time in school that we spent to do that mm-hmm. and so even though it just takes a couple minutes in the exam it's, it's for the whole process of learning how to do it but and then just people taking care of their contacts. You know, if you keep them longer than you should, it's like playing Russian roulette with your eyeballs. You could get an infection, and that one infection could leave you with a scar out in the middle and decrease your vision. Or you could get an infection and not have a scar. So either one, glasses or contacts, just depending on, on the person. Okay. I'm, some practitioners feel very passionate about this, so... Um. I'm going to ask you two more questions, and then we'll wrap up if you have time. If you could pursue any field other than your own, what would you pick? I feel like it's funny, but it's totally true. Um, I would want to be a professional dancer from the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> or I would just want to go into modeling or comedy or um, uh, be a children's author. So you can do all of those there. things right now. <laughs> I feel like you so can. I would love to be a, a dancer for a basketball team. Those are they're the best. Yeah. They're sort of cheerleader-ish, but not quite. Mm-hmm. Not too sleazy. Yep. And then, what are your goals or um, expansion or development goals for your field or your practice? So you're a partner in your practice right now, right? No, I'm actually just an employee. Okay. Um, but probably pretty soon, in the next few years, I'll go into ownership. Okay. And so I'll just own my own practice. I, I won't build one from the bottom up. I'll pass somebody right. going into retirement. Okay. Um, so I'll probably be an owner. And I guess my long-term goal is just to own a successful business and keep the patients happy and employees happy and, you know, feed my family. Mm-hmm. Well, that's amazing. Well, thank you, Dr. Molly. So, um, I'm so glad we made time to connect. I've known you since you and Neely were in first grade or second grade. How long? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Second grade. Second grade. Yep. And now everybody's grown up. And so it's so cool to see everybody doing their own thing. Well, I'm so proud of you. 
for doing what you set out to do. But yeah, I'm blessed. Like this is what you've been talking about since second grade in the playroom, and here you are mm-hmm. doing it. Yep. <laughs> well, I appreciate you so much, and um, thank you for giving us your time and your expertise. Uh, is there anything you want us to know? Uh, what's coming up, or where? Patients can potentially find you. Where are you practicing right now? Uh, well, I practice in Anihana, um, Alabama. Okay. And Dr. Marvin's an associate. And I'm here Monday, Thursday, and Friday. Pretty soon I'll be here probably every day. Okay. Um, if you don't see me, see somebody else. Get your eyes checked if you haven't. And your kids. Okay. And uh, better safe than sorry. Okay. And just advocate for yourself um, if you feel like there's ever something going on. Your whole body. Okay. Well, I'm so glad to know that an eye doctor, um, like the full expanse of what they do or what you guys can do, that is so insightful. Um, I really like the last eye doctor that I saw. And, yeah. That's good. He was cool. But if I ever move back to my home state, I'll come visit you. (laughs) Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Molly. Thank you so much for listening to Nicole's Hen House. It is a great value to me to have your ears tuned to the variety of guests on our show. If you found this content insightful, I would greatly appreciate a review on any listening platform. To contact Nicole's Hen House, visit the site, nicoleshenhouse.com, or you can find me on Instagram at Nicole's Hen House. As always, cheering for you!